so good to be in the house this morning. So I'm going to be talking to you guys this morning about freedom in Christ. Who doesn't want freedom in Christ? It says in John 10 that he came that we might have life and have it in abundance. And that's an amazing thing. And I'm also going to be talking to you about how mercy and grace are like a stepping stone into that freedom. It's not because we ever got good enough or we ever did enough of the right things, but it's his mercy and his grace that get us there. Amen. So who knows that, you know, Jesus not only died so we could have our eternal destiny changed, he also died so that we could come into fellowship and relationship with the Father. Isn't that an amazing thing? It's not just about one day in heaven, but we can actually experience him now on earth. One of my favourite verses, and I don't have this one down, but it's in the, right at the end of 2 Corinthians, and it says, May the love of God, may the grace of the Lord Jesus, and the communion with the Holy Spirit be with you all. Hallelujah. And it's in that relationship that we do find that abundant life. Let's go to, actually, I'm going to pray, and then I'll get you to open your Bibles. So, Father God, we just thank you for the word today, Father God. We thank you that your word is alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword, Father, that it pierces between soul and spirit, joint and marrow, Father, and it reveals the thoughts and intents of the heart. And, Father, we just thank you that as we sit under your word this morning, Father God, that it's your word, Lord, that brings change, that brings life, Father. So we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's start at Colossians chapter 1. We're going to go to Colossians 1, uh, 12 and 13. I'm not going to use the, the screen. got no idea how to use that. I know Pastor Pete normally uses that, so hopefully you guys have your Bibles to follow along or your phone or your iPad or whatever you've got there. Thank you. <laughs> Colossians chapter 1. Okay, so we're going to start at verse 12, and it says... And it goes along with what Rachel was saying about giving thanks. It starts off by saying, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Verse 13 says, Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. So there's two things I want to pull out in that verse. You know, it shows that there actually is an inheritance that we can partake of. You know, when we get born again, we now come into the, over, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, and there's an inheritance. And, you know, that inheritance is not something that we just look off from afar and, wow, that's a nice inheritance. I'll never see that. No, Jesus paid for it so we can walk in it. Amen. And I love that it says, who, who has qualified us for that? I love that it says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. It's him that qualifies us. Amen. It's not about, you know, getting to some big level or, you know, some big faith giant and then maybe I'm good enough to partake in the inheritance. No, the Bible says have childlike faith. Amen. It's all about what he did and we can receive that. You know, when God first started talking to me about what to bring, he's, and this probably, maybe if there's parents in here that have young children, you might understand this, but <laughs> I was thinking of this book that I read my kids and and there's a few different uh, versions of this book, but the version that my kids have got is all about a pony. And it says, that's not my pony. At the very last page, it's got the kid's pony. But all throughout the book, it says, that's not my pony. Its saddle is too squishy. And then it goes, that's not my pony. Its hooves are too bumpy. And then that's not my pony. Its mane is too fluffy or whatever. And then on the very last page, it says, that's my pony. 
And, you know, I just feel like through this message, God wants to bring an awareness, a heightened discernment for us to be able to say, that's not my inheritance, that's from the enemy. Amen. He wants to bring his church to another level and we're not to walk in things that are not from him. Amen. Let's go to Isaiah 53, 4. We're going to have... Uh, going through a lot of scripture this morning, guys. So take note. Um, And it's good to go over these later because the Spirit of God will continue to um, minister to you through these scriptures. So Isaiah 53, 4. And we're going to read 5 as well. And it starts off by saying, you guys all there? Say amen when you're there. Let's be interactive. You can talk back. (laughs) Isaiah 53, 4. It says, surely... He has borne our griefs. And I'll just stop there. I love it how it says surely. It's not like, oh, maybe uh, if I'm good enough or, you know, sometimes. No, it says surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. And verse 5 says, and we probably know this verse, it's quite a popular verse. It says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for whose peace? Our Our peace was upon him. (laughs) And by his stripes, we are healed. So that word griefs is translated a few different ways in the scriptures. And it's translated sometimes sickness, disease, anxiety, calamity, grief, and sadness. So that's what he's carried. And it says the word born there is translated to carry, to bear continually, to take, to lift, to sustain. Hallelujah. And, you know, the enemy hates a message like this because he doesn't want us to know, one, that there's freedom available to us in Christ, and two, he certainly doesn't want us walking in it. So what will he do? He'll come against the knowledge of it. Amen. You know, and... We as the church, we have what the community needs out there. God wants to advance the kingdom through his church. That's our job, guys. We get to go out um, in the power of God, in the love of God, share the truth of God and bring people into the kingdom. Um, And I just want to say as well, you know, last night, it took me a while to get to sleep, but I was just sort of mulling over a few, just a few testimonies of where God um, had you know, presented some opportunities for Greg and I just to share his love and uh, with people around us. And in the last six months, we, um, someone that we sort of knew had, had passed away and um, dear, dear man and uh, not a family member or anything, but uh, fortunately this guy, um, he had, you know, a few addiction problems there and, and Greg, my husband, it's like God gave him just that gift of mercy for this guy. And You know, when everyone, you'd see this guy coming and people would do these ones, like walk far away from him and want nothing to do with him. But, you know, Greg would often just go and sit with this guy. And sometimes he'd sit with him for half an hour. I'd be calling Greg six o'clock. I'm like, where are you? And he's like, oh, I'm just talking to my friend. And, And so, you know, and this wasn't just on a once occasion. This happened over years and years and years that Greg was talking to this guy, you know, someone that no one else wanted anything to do with, but it was just that love and compassion, that heart of God inside, you know, his believers that Greg would sit with this guy. And, you know, there was often meals dropped by and Christmas Day, Greg would always make sure... Uh, that this guy had a meal and 
And so, you know, towards the end of this guy's life, when he got sick, uh, his fam- one of his family members came and visited. He never had any family visit the whole 15 plus years that we knew this guy. And so his family member flew in, you know, the last few weeks of this person's life. And, and he introduced Greg to his sister as, this is the guy that always tells me that Jesus loves me. And I thought, wow, what other way would you want to be introduced to someone? But, you know, we're not to underestimate that compassion that we have inside of us. You know, it says that Jesus looked out upon the multitudes and he was moved with compassion. It doesn't say that he was disgusted by their sin. No, it says he was moved with compassion for they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were scattered and weary. Hallelujah. And it's our job to be able to go out and share that love and and, you know, opportunities are all around us. I think of another opportunity where um, we knew someone who had their car stolen, very unfortunate. Uh, we didn't really know this person, but just kind of got to know their story. And um, they ended up being stuck in Broome. And so we thought, OK, what can we do? Bake a cake. Really, it's a simple little thing. Sometimes you underestimate those, you know, little acts of kindness and love. But, you know, end up baking her a cake and taking it to her. And she was just dumbfounded <laughs> that someone would do that. And I thought, oh, no, it's just a cake. But, you know, the world isn't used to seeing that kind of love, that kind of compassion. And not only was it a cake, it was an opportunity to be able to pray with her. And I got that opportunity. And, you know, Let's be a church that takes those opportunities, guys. And it's a real natural thing. You know, the love of God is already shed abroad in our hearts, as the Bible says. And it's just about letting that love flow out to others around us. And, you know, it reminds me of uh, when we're in Shark Bay. Who's visited Shark Bay? We were there recently. There's a really nice hot spring there, and it's been cemented around. So it kind of looks like a man-made pool, but it's not. It's from deep down in the ground, and the water's super, super hot. And so, you know, we kind of sat down in the hot spring with some other family members and then some other people came and sat and we're all just chatting and there was, in the end, there was about 15 people in this hot spring and it's actually not that big. But anyway, so we're sitting in this hot spring and I thought, gee, I'm really glad that there's flowing water in this because it'd be a bit gross just sitting in a stagnant pool with no water flowing in and no water flowing out. But, you know, the hot spring was coming up from deep in the ground, pouring in, and then there was another overflow area that it poured out. And that's like the love of God. We're not trying to manufacture something. We're not trying to invent something new. We just let it flow to those around us and people will see it and it'll bring change to their lives. Amen. Pastor Beat was talking about setting the captives free, that we can be a church that, that does that, you know, and... It's hard to do that if we as a people are carrying bondage. You know, if we're carrying bondage, it's going to be a lot harder. And we know that the enemy wants that, but God wants us to be free. You know, what's the first thing you do when you get freed? You go and tell someone. And that's when we can start talking about our testimony. Revelation 12, 11 says, They overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they loved, their, they loved their lives, not unto death. So we know that the enemy wants to steal our testimony because it speaks of God's goodness. It speaks of his mercy. It speaks of his kindness. Hallelujah. Psalm 62 two says, He is my rock. He is my defence. And I love this part. It says, I shall not be greatly moved. 
Can you guys say that? I shall not be greatly moved. We've got to be a people who stand on the promises of God and no matter what it looks like, no matter what comes our way, we stand on the rock of the Word. He gave us His Word. He gave us His Spirit. The two together, nothing can stand against them. Amen? We shall not be greatly moved. All right, let's turn to Ephesians 6, 12 to 13. can see who's got their Bibles from up here. <laughs> so this is Ephesians 6, 12 to 13. We should be pretty familiar with these scriptures. But this was something that I actually had to do last week. So last week in the middle of the night, uh, my, one, of my, one of our daughters woke up. Uh, it was like midnight and so I'm half asleep and I've gone into her and, you know, what's wrong? You okay? And just bad dream or whatever. So I've prayed with her and, you know, she's all good. She's settled again. And once I walked out, I just started becoming aware of this heaviness. And, you know, when you're used to walking in peace and the peace isn't there, you're really aware of it. And I've just gone, what is this heaviness? It's almost disorientating. I feel that heavy. Who's ever been there? And so what do we do in that? Let's have a look at Ephesians 6, 12. It says, we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but against uh, powers and principalities, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And I was telling Greg this uh, the other day and, and Aria was listening and I said to Greg, oh, I had to go to war the other night and Aria was like, what do you mean, mum? Like, were you, you know? <laughs> and I said, no, it was just me. But so what did I do? So I've got this heaviness and I'm kind of like, God, what, what's, what, what, I'm trying to locate what this heaviness is about. And, you know, the enemy was attacking an instruction that God had given me. It was something that was going to come to pass in a few days. And I just felt such a heaviness, such a doubt. There was a fear coming in about this thing that was going to happen. And, you know, God had told me, you know, I felt in my heart that that's what God would have me do. The enemy is coming against it. So in the middle of the night, we know that the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. I didn't have a scripture straight away. And I'm standing there. It's like I'm trying to pull out my sword and I'm going... Oh, what and uh, you know the longer I took I'm put where's the sword where's the sword what is it what is it and then I was like John 10:27 my sheep hear my voice I know them and they follow me I said no no father your word says that I hear your voice and I'm not going to doubt I'm not going to fear this father I thank you that I hear your voice and I know this seems quite simple but this is something that we all have to do. In the middle of the night, I didn't really have anyone I could call. It was up to me to stand on the Word, to get out the sword of the Spirit, guys. And so then verse 13 says, Therefore, take up the whole armour of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. And I don't have the next verse down, but I love that the next verse says, Stand therefore. So it's having all, done all to stand continue to stand. Hallelujah. And you know, it's not that we give the enemy attention. The only attention we ever need to give him is to remind him that he's defeated. Amen. What we do need to do is give attention to the truth. Hallelujah. We can't, and I think Pastor Israel said it when he got up a few weeks ago that we can't fight thoughts with thoughts. We've got to get out that sword. We've got to get good at that. And not, oh, where is it? Which one is it? It's full of promises. Let's be quick to do that. Hallelujah. You know, and it says, uh, I think it's in Corinthians, it says that the weapons of our warfare are not 
carnal, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. They're mighty in God. They're not weak. They're not, that's not some shield of faith that's made out of a balloon or something. They're mighty because they're in God. Hallelujah. So, you know, we've got to know that the victory is ours. Amen. Just like in the middle of the night, I knew that victory was mine. I knew that, oh, I'm not putting up with this fear, this doubt, this heaviness, but I actually had to get in and implement that victory. You know, we've got to know that uh, freedom from oppression and bondage, it's what he wants. Hallelujah. Bondage to sin, anxiety, depression, brokenness, insecurity, constant doubt is something that I have to really put up the shield of faith about. Um, Fear for the future, addiction. I've been delivered from a few addictions, stories for another time. But hallelujah, when I was walking through them, I knew that God didn't want them there. And you know, sometimes it is a journey. It is walking through. It is, God, I know you don't want this there. But it's almost like we've got to get to the point where at any corner, it's going to happen. I know I'm going to be broken free. God, you don't want this there. Get that expectation. Hebrews 12.1 says, Uh, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How can we run a race well if we're carrying weight? Hallelujah. God does not want it then. I really want to build your faith today. I really felt God on this. He wants to release some people. You know, he wants his church to go to another level and we're not to be carrying these things. And like I said, sometimes it's a journey. Sometimes it's us walking through, but we're not to camp out in the valley of shadow of death. Amen. It says we go through it. All right, let's go to Luke 4. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. We'll start at verse 16. This is an amazing passage of scripture. It's probably one of my favourite. They're all my favourite, but. Luke chapter 4 and verse 16. All right, so it says So he came up to Nazareth, Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. There's no coincidence that he, you know, this was the first time that he publicly uh, announced himself to be the Messiah, to be the Saviour. And let's see what what he says about himself and how he reveals himself. Verse 18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Verse 19 says, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Hallelujah. Then in verse 20, it says, he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And all of the eyes who are in the synagogue were fixed on him. And 21, it says, and he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Don't you just love this is how he revealed himself? This is what his ministry is on the earth today, setting the captives free, healing the brokenhearted. Amen. I'm going to go back to where it says poor in spirit and we're going to go into the, um, the Greek there. 
But I just think it's also funny how, you know, if you keep reading, he goes on to say that uh, pretty much that salvation isn't only for the Jews, it's for the Gentiles. And then he says that, um, you know, that Elijah wasn't sent to any of the Jews, but he was sent to... Uh, Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And then it says that, um, you know, he healed a leper who also wasn't Jewish. And the Jewish people just couldn't stand it. They went to throw him off a cliff. I'm like, how's that for your first public sermon? <laughs> I just thought, oh, that's gold. But um, let's go back to where he says, uh, he's sent me to preach the gospel to the poor. Preach the gospel to the poor. Um, that's translated poor in spirit and it means lowly, afflicted, powerless to accomplish an end, lacking in anything. And then another translation says to be thoroughly frightened, to cower down or to hide oneself for fear, one who slinks or one who crouches. And when I read this, I just thought, oh, it was a bit of a heart-stopping moment for me because the week before, Often when God speaks to me, I'll get a vision. He gives me a picture and then he'll give me the scripture for the vision. And so I'm driving around town and I'm getting this, this picture exactly of what's translated there, of someone that, you know, they were crouching down, they were in fear and it was like they were waiting for ramification for, you know, it was where they'd fallen short. It was where they'd failed. It was where they'd uh, made a past mistake. There was fear and I've just seen this person just waiting for these negative consequences to come upon them. And the scripture that I got was mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And I just thought, wow. You know, and I just felt like God was saying that, you know, we need to remember and we need to understand if we're in Christ, God deals with us on a basis of what Jesus did. Hallelujah. Aren't you so thankful for that? Psalm 103, 10 to 11 says, He has not dealt with us according to our sin, nor punished us according to our iniquities. Hallelujah. Verse 11 says, For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. And it's, you know, it was like God just wanted to get this across to his people that when we're in Christ, he turns to mercy. It says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. So where, do we start measuring ourselves in the standard of the law or do we come under the grace and mercy of God? You know, David said, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That's the attitude we've got to have. And once we know that, we can expect freedom. We can expect change. We can expect those bondages to be broken. Hallelujah, because we're in Christ and he shows us mercy. And, you know, it's so important to have the knowledge of this, to know that. And I was thinking about um, often I go walking early in the morning and, and occasionally I'll bump into my dad. He goes walking around a similar time. And, you know, if we meet at the bottom of the stairs at Cable Beach, um, I'll say, hey, dad, let's go have a quick coffee before you start work. And so it's just such a lovely start to the day. And I get back at 6.30 and the day begins and I've already had a coffee with my dad. But a lot of the time it doesn't, um, it doesn't happen. It's just kind of, you know, by chance. And if, we, if it works out, it works out. But then there's other times where I go, oh, I'd really actually like to have a coffee with dad. I might message him the night before and say, hey, let's meet up and we'll go have a coffee together. 
you know, because I've got knowledge that that's going to happen, I can have that expectation. It's something that I can look forward to. And that's like the mercy and the goodness and the grace of God coming to his people. This is how he wants us to know him, guys. He's a good, good father. Religion will tell you otherwise. Religion will tell you you've got to get to some certain standard. You've got to do this, this and this before you're good enough. But we know that when Jesus came, he went and hung out with the people who had the drinking problem. He went and hung out with the prostitutes. He didn't want anything to do with the religious folk. Amen. I love what David said in Psalm 52, 8. He says, I'm like a green olive tree in the house of the Lord. What does he trust in? I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I might go a bit over time here. You guys doing okay? We all good? All right. So mercy in the Hebrew is the word chesed. You have to do a ch. Sounds like German, chesed. And it's translated 149 times mercy. It's translated 40 times kindness. And it's translated 30 times loving kindness. And that scripture that he gave me with that picture of someone who was crouching down, waiting for that, that fear of the future, the negative things that were going to catch up with them, that scripture's from James 4.13 and it says, For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. You know, when we're out in the community, we need to remember what our ministry is. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 5.18, God was in Christ reconciling the world back to himself, ready, not imputing their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. It's all about bringing others into the forgiveness of God, the love of God, the grace of God. That's the message of reconciliation. Um, Often, <laughs> you know, it says in the Bible, out of the mouth of babes, and often our kids will just come out with things and we're like, just let me think about that for three days because there's so much in that. <laughs> but Aria, a few weeks ago, we had worship on the TV and she's looking at the worship and, you know, there's congregation putting their hands up and, and she's looking at them and she goes, Mum, they're eating from the good tree, aren't they? <laughs> And I just knew exactly what she meant. I said, this is what we need to be feeding on, the goodness of God, the mercy of God. When there's so much we could be looking at out in the world, God says, look at me. Hallelujah. All right, I'll skip through this pretty quickly. But, you know, he doesn't just leave it at mercy. He doesn't just say, oh, okay, I'm going to show you mercy. He provides grace for change. The grace of God has substance to it. It's something that we can grab hold of. It's something that brings change to our lives. Let's go to Psalm 40, verses 1 to 3. Psalm 40, verses 1 to 3. Second last scripture. Psalm 40, verses 1 to 3. And it starts off by saying, I waited patiently for the Lord... He inclined to me and he heard my cry. So there's three things there. It's us waiting patiently on the Lord. What does he do? He inclines to us and he hears us. You know, that word waited is translated to look for, to hope, to expect eagerly, to look eagerly. It's like the opposite of that person crouching down and having that negative ramification. This person's over here eagerly waiting, expecting at any corner I'm going to get breakthrough because God's goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life. But then it doesn't just stop there. So not only does he hear us, not only does he incline to us, verse 2, it says, He also... 
What does he do? He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock and he established my steps. So that's when we can talk about our grace, so our, about God's grace. So our job is by faith to appropriate the promises. His grace, he does it. We're expecting at any moment for that breakthrough. And he says, I'll do it. I'll bring you up out of that pit, out of the miry clay, and I'll set your feet upon a rock. And verse 3, it says, He has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it and fear it and will trust in the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, it's this idea that it's this truth, actually not an idea, it's this truth that is his love is active in our lives. He doesn't just love from afar off and, oh, I love them and good luck kind of thing. No, he's involved. He's involved. And the scripture came out in the prayer room and, and it says, you know, the eyes of the Lord search to and fro, thinking who can he show himself strong on their behalf? Hallelujah. That's what he wants to do for us, guys. Um, Exodus 32. Exodus 32, 1 to 4. And this is when um, Moses went up the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. We know that he, he went up twice. The first time he came back, he smashed them. <laughs> but this is the first time he went. And so Exodus 32, 1 to 4, it says, Now when the people saw that Moses was delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come and make us gods that they shall go before us. For as for this, Mo this man Moses who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. And verse 2 says, And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in, the, in your ears and in the wives of your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. So all the people broke off their golden earrings, which were in their ears. They brought them to Aaron. And what does Aaron do? Verse 4, it says, And he received the gold from their hand. He fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a moulded calf. And then they said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Wow. You know... When Stephen was addressing the, uh, the religious people in Acts, he speaks into this. And uh, you don't have to turn there, but uh, Acts 7.39, it says, "...whom our fathers would not obey but rejected." And it says, "...in their hearts they turned back to Egypt." In their hearts they turned back to Egypt. And I thought, wow. So, you know, these people had been set free. They were no longer in the land of uh, Egypt but in their hearts, they are experiencing something different. And I thought, what does it look like to, for us to turn back in our hearts? You know, whether it's um, a lack of knowledge to knowing that freedom from bondage is available to us or, you know, a lot of us are just walking through those things. But we need to know that for freedom, Christ has set us free. Hallelujah. Isaiah 61 to 2 says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and the deep darkness shall cover the earth. And a deep darkness, the people. But let's see where we are. It says, But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Hallelujah. You know, when God impressed it on my heart to speak about freedom, it's because he wants to do something. He's bringing this church here to another level. And I love that song that says there's an army rising up. That's us, church. 
you know, the church isn't this building, it's the people and we go out there and we share the love of God. We let them know that, hey, Jesus came to set you free. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Might get the worship team back up. The duo. Love it. Um, yeah. Can you guys please stand? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Mm, thank you, Lord. Father God, we just thank you for your word this morning, Father God, that the entrance of your word brings light, Father God. Father, your word says that it's the truth that sets us free, Lord God. We just thank you that you're calling us into your mercy. You're calling us into your grace. You're calling us into your love, Father God. And all because of what Jesus has done. We just thank you, Father. It's all about Jesus. Lord, when the enemy would try and get us to keep our eyes on ourselves and our performance, Father, we look to the cross and that there's nothing lacking in what Jesus did. That sacrifice that he made on the cross was perfect. There's nothing missing. Our salvation is complete this morning. We just thank You, Father, that Your Word says it's soul, body and spirit. Father, we thank You that we're pressing on. We're a people that are pressing on to the goal of the prize of the calling in Christ Jesus. We thank You, Father God. Thank You, Father. You know, if there's anyone here this morning, uh, if you've been hearing things about relationship with God and you, and you would say that, you know, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what it's like to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus. If there's a simple prayer that you pray, you know, God's a gentleman, He'll never push His way in. It's about us inviting Him into our hearts. And the Word says that when we do that, that all things are made new, that our past is completely washed away and all things have become brand new in Him. So, you know, I just want to make an invitation. If you don't know the Lord Jesus that way and you would like to, come forward. Uh, we're going to sing a song. Come forward after the song and come and pray that prayer with one of the pastors. It'll be the best day of your life. Amen. And I also just want to make a call. You know, we're talking about freedom this morning. And I almost feel like it's as though I've been introducing a speaker for, you know, 30 minutes. I've been saying, and this, this is what this person's like, and da, da, da. Come down and have an encounter with him. Come down and meet him now. Hallelujah. The Spirit of God is here to set you free. He wants to bring freedom to His people. So if you want us to um, come and stand and agree with you, lay hands on you, just to see that new season come, that new life come, don't hesitate, come forward. God will meet you. Surely His goodness and mercy follows us all the days of our life. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thanks, team.